Welcome back to another Be Great Win A podcast. This week's podcast is very, very special. In this podcast, I interviewed Mr. Fernandez. Mr. Fernandez was the counselor that was there for me when I was going through the biggest trauma in my life. He was the counselor that agreed to open up the gym at six in the morning, every morning to catch my rebounds if I expressed on my emotions and what I was going through at home. I think this podcast is very important because you're going to learn the importance of expressing your emotions, finding someone to talk to, finding someone you can trust, and actually trusting someone in the process of growth. And Mr. Fernandez was all of those things for me. In this podcast, I also learned something about Mr. Fernandez within the first five minutes of the interview that kind of threw me off. It really threw me off. And I can't wait for you to learn on what that was, along with Mr. Fernandez telling you what I went through as a child and what he saw and how he dealt with me and how he helped me. It's a very fascinating story. And we also got into some history of Mr. Fernandez, his background, the type of things he had to go through, the things that he learned working with people in prison to psych wards and the school system. So if you have a kid that needs guidance, this may be great for you. If you're someone that has trauma, this podcast is definitely going to be great for you. But most importantly, it's an inspiring story that I'm super excited to share with you. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast with Mr. Fernandez and I. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I want to actually, I want to start this podcast off by seeing if you remember, I want to get your memory of what happened. When you, what do you remember of me as a child, my brother? What is your memory? Do you remember when you started working with us? Yes. I, I remember when I started working with you, uh, Basically, I used to uh, wait for you to come, to, mm-hmm. co- to come, to come to the school, and try to convince you that uh, talking to someone was a natural. Mm-hmm. That you could, uh, we could share things together, and, and things would would, uh, would stay in the room. Mm-hmm. Would stay in the room. That's what you call trust in in, in our profession. Mm-hmm. You know, things stay in the room, and. Uh, you can basically talk about anything. Mm-hmm. And what made you so good at convincing kids from the street? You know, because it was only me. You know, everybody respected you. All the kids in school that were from the streets. Anytime Mr. Fernandez spoke, we respected you. And we felt like you got us. Like, what, what did you go through in your childhood that made you someone that was so good at understanding where we came from? Maybe I was like you. Maybe, maybe I faced things in life that, that, that you saw, but I was more like your mother and father. Mm. Did you ever think about that? I never thought about that. Uh, so what made you I, turn your life around to become a counselor and someone that's a mentor? First, I was in places that, that you wouldn't even think about when I was young. I had to leave basketball because I was addicted. I was addicted to drugs, and I had to get off the drugs. I had to go to a hospital to get off the drugs, and uh, it made my life unbearable. And my parents were never were never involved in any of that stuff, but I was. Mm-hmm. I was. I was, and I had to go to rehab, and I had to join NA, Narcotics Anonymous, and I had to go through all that, night. And then I went back to school. I went back to school. And uh, got my BA in psychology, and then I got accepted to Columbia University, and I, I did a, a year there, in developmental psychology, and then I went to uh, Fordham, 
because I couldn't, if I stayed at, at, at Columbia University, I couldn't achieve what I wanted to, which to become, a, to have my own practice. Mm -hmm. And I was able to do that by going to Fordham and getting on the social work program of 69 credits to a doctorate. So I also did that and got my LCSW, which is licensed clinical social worker. And that allows me by the government to do a therapy, counseling therapy. Mm -hmm. But before that, I was a pretty good basketball player. You was a great basketball player. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> and I've learned my lesson the hard way with that. So I, I'll tell you what I remember. I remember I didn't want to talk to nobody. And You're the right. day that my sister killed my niece and my sister went to prison, my brother went to prison, her boyfriend went to prison, my mom relapsed. You knew it was getting really hard at home. And Miss Collins knew. Uh, she was the first one I was really opening up to. And I remember um, you used to look for me. Nathan, Nathan, come here, Nathan. You got to talk to me. And then anytime my friends would come around, you were very good at keeping it low profile so they know, like, you know, I, you know, I didn't need counseling. But anytime you got me by myself, you kind of, like, pushed me to come talk to you. And then I remember I went home one day, and there was no hot water. There was no AC. I mean, there was no hot water, heat, AC, or food. And I was sitting in my room, and I'm like, I got to change this life. My mother was on the street, and I wrote down a dream. And I was like, the only way I can escape Jersey City, if I don't know, I start playing basketball, and I play for Bob Hurley. And I remember I wrote out a dream, a dream map, like a blueprint to the dream. I'm like, I need to get into the gym. So I remember the next morning when I saw you, it was right in front of the PS28, and you were like, Nathan, you got to come see me. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I do. And I'll make you a deal. And I, I told you, I'll come see you and I'll talk to you. I'll tell you everything you want to know, but you got to open up this gym and you got to catch my rebounds for basketball. I got to work on my basketball game. And you looked around, same, same kind of swag, the gold chain, the button up. And you said, look, I'll make you that deal. But the day you miss, you have to come after school. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to make that. Because if I miss a day, that means that, you know, I have to go after school and, and work with you. But I said, you know what? You got a deal. And that went on from sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, didn't miss a day. And you opened up the gym every day. And I learned my life lesson because nobody told me you were such a great basketball player. So when I went in there, I just thought I was going to have this older man listen to me, catch my rebounds. But it was more than that. It was not only did you help me develop a basketball game, but you helped me use my imagination. You printing out the newspapers, putting it up in the gym. And when Mike Rosario got a scholarship, Dominic Cheek got a scholarship, you know, all these guys would get scholarships. You were telling me that was going to be me one day. And um, after us working together every day, I convinced Brandon to come. You was, you was fine with that. And it was you... You were the first person I told everything to, and I was very comfortable with it. And it was really life-changing, man. It was really life-changing. And I ended up getting the scholarship to St. Anthony's, and then I ended up getting a scholarship, played Division One, and I credit that a lot to you because there were times where, you know, I was going to end up in certain parts of the neighborhood sleeping over a friend's house, and maybe I was going to miss school the next day, and I was going to miss a lot of things in school and fall behind on my grades, but knowing that you were going to be there in the morning opening up that gym and helping me and inspiring me, you gave me something to look forward to. And that's one of the main reasons I was like, I got to get you on the podcast. I got to get you behind the camera because I tell this story a lot on how much you changed my life. And I, there's no way I'll be where I am today if you didn't do that for me. So, you know, I really appreciate you more than you know.
And you inspired me. You, you brought yourself to work every day. And when you brought yourself to work, what I do for a living now, I bring myself to work. And I'm able to bring my, what I went through in my struggles to the table to my clients because of it. And you gave me that confidence. You taught me at a young age on how it's done. And you spoke my language. And you pushed me. You pushed me big time. You, you weren't that bad considering all the, the people that I have dealt with. Yeah, yeah. You, you, what, happened, what happened with you, I don't know if you're ready for it. I don't yeah, know. yeah. You, yeah, hit me. Let's go. You're, That's you're why ready? I want to do this, yeah. You're, you enjoy this. Like yeah, that. I do. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to you was that you were a good kid, so was your brother. Wonderful children, wonderful children. And, and, and you were placed in a position that, that you have to, you know, you, you, you were dealt cards to be an adult. Mm -hmm. You had to be an adult before your time. Mm -hmm. And look at you now. Mm -hmm. huh? Look at your brother now. Look at you. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Very true. I you, always you, say that. I feel you like had I to be a father to Brandon. I know that. Yeah. You had to be, you had to guide, you guided Brandon to me. Mm -hmm. You said to me, you, you, have to see your, you have to see my brother. Mm -hmm. That's true. Oh, I, I don't lie. Yeah. So only once when I told you I wasn't here. <laughs> so when when I came to you, mm -hmm. what kept you motivated to kept on you know opening the gym up for us and playing basketball? And did you really believe that I was going to get that scholarship to play for Bob Hurley? Melissa Hurley. Mm -hmm. Melissa Hurley was a big help mm -hmm. because you know Melissa Hurley loves her father and Melissa Hurley guided Mr. Hurley to you. Mm -hmm. I know Mr. Hurley when he used to coach St. Anthony's night play. And, and Mr. Hurley's a serious person, and he's, a, he's an excellent man and an excellent coach. And I knew that you had talent. Mm -hmm. Now, you could have played basketball. Look at you. You played football. You got a scholarship. You were terrific. But you could have played football. Why not? Mm -hmm. You had it in you. You had, you had the drive. You have the heart. You have the heart to succeed. There's nothing. There's nothing you can't do. There's nothing your your wife can't do. Mm -hmm. That's very true. And you use. You taught me at a young age how to use my imagination. You used to put up those newspapers and you used to tell me, "Imagine it was me." When did you learn that to put that in your practice? The ego. Mm. Worked on your ego. I know you wanted to be a ball player. I know Brandon wanted to be a ball player. So, you want to be a ball player. There's the ball players on the wall. You think you could do it? You got to go to the gym. Ms. Fernandez, I have some boys that would benefit from opening up the gym. Sure, Mr. Fernandez. Ms. Fernandez was the principal at the school at yep. the time. Yep. And she's the Board of Education now, right? She's the head of the Board head, of Education. Head of the Board, yeah. She became the head of the board of education. Very smart woman. She became Dr. Fernandez. Mm -hmm. She mm -hmm. has a doctorate. Mm -hmm. I want to get back into, I, I got a couple more things I want to do. This is really good. So if a person that comes with you with a compulsive behavior, right, mm -hmm. the addict, and they have a goal that they have with you, what would your therapy be? Because I work with a lot of clients that do have addictions or have an addiction towards overeating every night. Exactly. So how do you go about that with that particular client? It's not my goal. It's his goal. Mm. What do you want to uh, uh, accomplish by seeing me? You, you state that. Then you do a psychosocial. A psychosocial is history. 
You copy the history. Nate Ortiz is a 13-year-old Hispanic, African-American. Comes to me with and then you, a, history, a history of what? A history of parents that want him to be an adult. At the wrong time? Because he's, what, 13, 14, 12 years old? Mm -hmm. He has to take the responsibility of an adult at that age. That's not easy. Mm -hmm. But NATO Ortiz is willing to work on it. NATO Ortiz has the drive to be a ball player. And he wants to go to San Anthony's for his goals, and he's going to try hard to get there. Now, what can I do to help him? Well, go talk to Mr. Herman. Three years later, I got the scholarship, which is awesome. So you did it. Nobody did it for you. But I didn't. I didn't catch a football. Mister Hurley didn't catch a football. You have it in you. It's in you. Nobody can take that away. Like they can't take your education away, your knowledge of what you know. They can't take her. Away. Nobody can take your education. Away. That's very true. As long as you stay away from hurt, from what hurt your parents, and you know what it was, mm -hmm. if you do that, that'll eliminate you. It'll eliminate me. It'll eliminate anybody. That's mm -hmm. life. So if you're, so now this, how would you call it? Because I look at it as ID. It's id. Id. So according the, to Sigmund Freud. Okay. So this id client comes to you, they tell you they want to get clean, you track their history, mm -hmm. and then what are ways you can get them to progress from okay. overcoming an addiction? Okay. The first thing I would do, I would schedule sessions with him, and then I would recommend him to join either AA or NA, Narcotics Anonymous or Alcoholics Anonymous, depending on his addiction. If it's drugs, NA. If it's, if it's alcohol, AA. Got it. So he gets something besides the counseling. Got it. When you're not around, what does he do? When I'm not around, they're in the gym. Uh, and I'm in the gym with them. Mm -hmm. But when you're in your office, where are these people after? They have to have somewhere to support. To support groups. Yeah, support support group, groups yeah. are very important. Even for, for the, the gambling. Gambling and overeaters anonymous. Very important. They have an association for overeaters? Overeaters Anonymous. Yeah, overeaters. Yes, look it up. Overeaters oh. Anonymous, AANA, all that. I gotta check that out. Not for me, but I'm saying for clients. I know, when man. I work with the clients, what we do is we do something very similar. What I notice is I learned the one, two, three, four approach. The first approach, you have to determine the client's dream. What is a goal? Their goal. Yeah, what is something they, they love enough to want to change for? And number two, you got to figure out where they're out of balance with energy. Are they doing too much or are they not doing enough? Assessment. Okay, there you go. And then number three, they got three decisions they can make. The, the first decision is the optimal decision. It's what's best for them and their family. The second decision is suboptimum. And usually you can find someone that has an addiction stuck there because it's what's best for them, but it's going to hurt their family. And then the third one is doing nothing at all which sometimes it's appropriate to call a timeout and take a little bit to figure things out. But if you're stuck there for too long, then nothing gets done and it turns into the worst decision. And then the fourth one is the fourth pillar of uh, four pillars of health. Nutrition, 
sleep, movement, and happiness. That's excellent. And if you find one of them out of balance with one of them, usually they compensate happiness with overeating or getting high. Or if they're not sleeping, they're tired, so they compensate by overstimulating their body and become compulsive to, to sacrifice their energy to and become compulsive, more caffeine, then caffeine doesn't work, then Adderall, then Adderall doesn't work, then cocaine, and they get nasty. Substitute addiction. Substitute their addiction. Substitute their addiction to another addiction, overeating, so on and so forth. Sex also. Yeah, sex Sex is addiction too. There's a a group for sex and for people that that have problems with sex. So with mental health, how much do you think is actually it being genetic versus it being something that is predisposed or learned from the superego? Because... And genetically, I'm supposed to have many different mental health illnesses, right? But um, my since I was pretty sure what I wanted at a young age and had support like you, I was able to shift my life in a different direction. In your experience, how much do you, you came across addiction being or just mental health being more of a genetic issue with the person versus their environment and their super ego, their parents? It all depends on the, on, like I said, on the individual. Some, some, sometimes, like you said, you, you get someone that it, it, it comes from, from the genes. Okay. But sometimes it doesn't come from the genes. You know, some people, some people don't have, uh, don't have mental illness, and they get that diagnosed wrong. You know, they don't have mental illness. They have, they have what, what people would say they, they. They don't. They don't know how to get out of what it is. They don't know how to, how to. If they're depressed, they don't know how to get out of the depression. If they don't sleep, they. The first thing they want to take is pills to sleep. No, you don't need them. There's other ways. There's other ways to capture what, what's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the DSM four, the DSM five. You know, diagnostic. If you go to a psychiatrist. He'll give you pills. You know, he'll diagnose you and give you pills. If you go to a psychologist, he'll talk to you. You know, if you if you're schizophrenic, that's a different story. That's mental illness. Schizophrenia. You hear voices. The voices tell you what to do. My mom has that. But it, it could it be from drugs? I'm not sure. You, you see? Yeah. You see? Because, it got worse as she got older. Yeah. Yeah. Schizophrenia. Schizophrenia. Uh, you know. They say it, it comes out in, in the teens, you know, you know, psychologists. Sometimes, sometimes if you take some acid, you, you'll go, if, if you take some acid and you go to a psychiatrist's office and you say, I see an elephant in the corner, he'll say you're schizophrenic because you didn't tell him you took the acid. You see? Did you tell him you took the acid? They why do have hallucinations. Why do people lie to psychologists? Well, they, they don't have the trust. So the trust is that's is the, main thing. the main thing, isn't it? Isn't it with you? Do you it have is. trust with your girlfriend, and your wife? Yeah, yeah. That's the main. And, thing. I, and that's one of the things I do with my clients. I earn their trust. You trust have is to important. Earn it. Yeah. You have to earn it. You know. You know. Well, well. Listen. Maybe I have to talk to Miss Hurley, and, and she could she could talk to Mister Hurley maybe about, yeah. that, about about you know playing basketball and all that. Mm-hmm. Bas- basketball was was your salvation. In number in our school, mm-hmm. in, in PS twenty eight, mm-hmm. it wasn't me. It was basketball. Mm-hmm. You love basketball, mm-hmm. so did your brother. So I know how I can get in. Mm-hmm. Get in, get in, get in. We used to do some funny things. <laughs> that's part of the yeah. Yeah, he's Shout a funny guy. You know that, right? Huh? I think that's what made it fun too, because you're really funny. Well, 
not that's not that's not what my wife thinks. <laughs> I remember the first day when we, I mean, as we started playing, and you started coming with the shorts, the high socks, the headband, and you still had the go chain on. And I'm like, this guy can't be serious, man. Yeah. Me, Brandon, and other kids you work with when you're on Facebook and you're seeing them do good in life, uh, does that bring you any good feelings? Of course it does, because I'm in my last stage of life. I'm in the eighth stage, according to Eric Erickson. I'm in the fourth quarter, as a friend of mine says. I'm in the fourth quarter. I love to see you guys succeed. Not because of me, because of you. A lot of it is because of you, though. Just want to remind you of that. A lot. Thank you. If you didn't sure. open up, and listen, this is what I'm trying to say. If you didn't open up that gym in the there morning. There you go. <laughs> See, that's that's what it did. It was the basketball. It was. It was the basketball. It was the person who was there with me in the morning, though. It's the hook. The yeah. hook was the basketball. Yeah, it was. It I was. You, you, it's like a drug. Mm -hmm. You hooked yourself mm -hmm. in, into 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 what into your goal. Mm -hmm. You wanted to be a you wanted to be a basketball player. You wanted to be a great athlete. And now you're doing something better than that. Mm -hmm. You're helping people. Mm -hmm. you're, you're helping them. You're helping society. Mm -hmm. You and Brandon mm -hmm. became... What, what did you say? Yeah, it's crazy. But you should get, you, it's not crazy. It's, it's your achievement. Mm -hmm. You achieved that. Nobody can take that away from you. It's true. You can lose everything in life, but you have your education... And you, and you have your experience, your knowledge. You have control of those three things. Mm -hmm. My most memorable thing of you is going into the gym one day, you waiting for us. Like I said, with that headband, the tank top. Yeah, the basketball. Yeah, the, it was basketball. Was basketball. That was the last thing. But chasing me down in the hallways before the basketball. And, it, and it, I heard you walking with your chain. I'm like, oh, man, he's coming. He's coming down the hall. Let me hide from this guy. So for you, if if do you have any memorable memories of like from sixth, seventh, eighth grade that still lingers in your mind? Well, I re I remember when Miss Hurley came to me and, and asked me asked me Mr. Hurley wants to know if you would recommend him. I didn't know she asked you that. And I said yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. No, I believe you. I believe you. And what happened when you said yes? Look at you. I went to private school. Right. Right? Free. Four years. Free. Free. Played for the number one basketball coach in the world, number one uh, basketball school in the world. And then they started a football program, and I became the first Division One football player in school history. Right. Another free scholarship. There you go. And then, so when I say you're a huge reason why I am where I am today, there goes another point. See that? You did it yourself. I put the work in. Yeah. But I had a great mentor. And I had someone who believed in me and who had faith in me. And you knowing that I didn't want to let you down. I didn't want to let Melissa Hurley down. I didn't want to let Rob yes. O'Donnell down and Miss Collins down. There you go. See, it wasn't it, just me. It wasn't just you, but you were the one that spent the most time with me. You were with me from six in the morning to eight in the morning. It was my job. No, that was before your job started. You start, your job started at what, 8.30? 9.30. 9.30. 9.30. 9.30. 9.30. 9.30. 9.30. 9.30. 9.30. 9.30. 9.30. 9.30. 9.30. 9.30. 9.30. 9
My job started at 8.30, and I had to leave my house. Uh, jo uh, Joanne knows, my wife's sitting over there. She knows how to leave my house to get a parking space first and then come. Uh, yes. And I used to come open up the gym. Yeah, 6 in the morning we were in the gym. Yeah. So you started your day two hours earlier yeah. for me to play basketball. That's what my profession does. My profession is supposed to give. Yes. Understand. Two hours of your day. So that's, that's 10 hours a week you're doing that just for me. Not just for you, for Brandon, for the two Italian mm -hmm. boys. What were their names? But Sal and Don. Sal and Don. Yeah. But and Sal and Don came on, later. Brandon came on, but you you went that above and beyond for me, and then I encouraged Brandon to come. I encouraged Sal and Don. Because then we had Anthony, then we had Gio, then we had Jonna. Who was the most talented person there in, in, that I could hook with the basketball? That's true. Yeah. If I get you, I get everybody else to come. If if you if you learn to trust me, then I can get others, or else I can't do it. You went above and beyond for us. Chain reaction. Yeah, chain reaction. Seriously, but again, that's why I say I know I had the work ethic, but the mentorship, the belief, you taught me about the imagination. Used to, I would never when I went outside and I went on the street with the drug dealers that were playing that took over every basketball court, and I told them that I wanted to be a Santhine Friday. They laughed at me. When I came to you and I told you I wanted to be a Santhi Friar and I had this dream of going to college, you expected me to do that. You see what I'm saying? Oh, so I... what happened was is I started to lean more on trusting you more, but also listening to you more than the guys on the street with the drugs, with the nice cars that were used to be basketball superstars for Dickerson or St. Anthony's that were doubting me and started listening to you more. And that belief that you had in me kept me pushing. You know what I'm saying? So I did have the work ethic. But knowing that I had someone like you and your support encouraged me to keep going. You see what, what did I'm I become for you? A mentor. The super ego. The super ego. The super, super, ego. The super ego is value systems. The value system. What kind of value systems can I put into these young men so they can succeed? That's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. How can I get this person to trust me that I can get them out of this addiction? Not you, but the person you're working with. Mm -hmm. What can I do to make him come to me and say, okay, I'm here. This is, what, this is how my day goes. This is what's happening in my life. What is the most memorable memory you have as me as an adult? Anything happening, he's like, oh, wow, that, that, sits, that sits with you well. I, I, th I, think, I think you could be an actor. I think I think I think you, I think I no I think you could be an actor I think you could be anything you want mm -hmm. I, I think I think you could be a, a psychologist I think you could be a, you can get your doctorate that's what I think mm -hmm. and what do you think hmm? I think well I got a book deal now and I think that I'm going to be a very successful author and it's going to give me better opportunities to be a very successful speaker nationwide and worldwide globally and I think I'm just beginning. I think you're 100% right. Yeah, I think you could be yeah. anything you want to be. I, th I, think, I, think, I think you could be a model, you could be an actor, you could be a doctor if you want to. It's all up to you. Yeah, right. Like it's, it's up true. to your wife, too. She mm -hmm. can be a, anything she wants. That's but true. you got to work. You know, you know what to do. Brandon, Brandon, what, what can you do to keep Brandon... Not that he needs it, but your brother, what, what can you do to keep him on? So Brandon, so with raising Brandon, see, I tell people that we had a bad growing up, but Brandon had it worse than me.
And I think the reason why is because Brandon was younger than me. And I think I, you know, I, I had to, I couldn't allow myself to feel bad or sad because I was the bigger brother. And I think Brandon, you know, he was really young. I was going through this at 11. Brandon was eight years old. And uh, Brandon, another thing that played a part that, I'm going to be completely honest, Brandon was darker than me. And I did witness some, you know, I think he had it worse as far as races, like with the racist things. Yeah, racial issues. Uh, some of it being from, you know, the some white family members of ours, right? Because we're half black, half white. And um, I think in, when I got older, I started studying the brain and trauma. And the younger that you go through trauma, the more that the old brain is developed and the neocortex isn't developed as much. Mm-hmm. So a person becomes very responsive. So Brandon has like a, grown up, Brandon was very short-tempered compared to me. I had a little more patience if somebody disrespected me or a teacher called me out. I was a little more sensitive and, and laid back. Brandon was very explosive. So one thing, as Brandon's an adult now, um, keeping Brandon and understanding Brandon and communicating with Brandon in a way that he's understood is very important to keep him in track. Like Brandon's a, a Port Authority cop, and Brandon is, he takes his job very serious, and he is honored to be a Port Authority cop, and he has a dream with it, and he's carrying his responsibility in a very prideful way, in a good way, right? He wants to show, because we, we had bad, bad relationships with cops growing up. We ran from cops our whole life. Dad had a warrant for his arrest. We're running from the police. So anytime I see a person in, in uniform, my heart still beats a lot, you know, or fast, and I get nervous because I'm like, this guy's trying to take my dad away from me, or this guy's trying to take my mom away from me. So sometimes when I see Brandon in that uniform, it kind of like shocks me a little bit. And at first, when Brandon told me he wanted to become a cop, um, I, wasn't, I wasn't 100% thrilled. I'm like, oh man, you want to become a cop? And then what I've learned at that moment as being the big brother for him, almost like a parent to Brandon, is that I had to understand that Brandon had to make his own decisions in his life that I had to support. And he's going to show me a side that is not true about what I believe about policemen. And that's exactly what Brandon does. Brandon shows me a side of, and I have a whole different perspective about cops and a whole different respect for cops because I got to learn that through Brandon. So my goal right now is to make sure I'm there for Brandon to support him in his career. I think a lot of it growing up is I was a basketball star. Brandon was really good in basketball too. But Brandon had the opportunity to go to St. Anthony's, but one of the reasons why Brandon didn't want to go is because he wanted to make his own name for himself. And Ferris. Yeah, he went to Ferris. Ferris High School. Yep, so he wanted to make his own name. And, you know, so I think, you know, I want to honor where Brandon's at because it seems like sometimes I can feel like I accomplish a lot and he accomplishes a lot too. But I had, Brandon's not that enthused to tell the story like I am, right? Brandon's more about taking the action with the story. And I'm still taking action, but Brandon wants to make a change in the community, in the world, in that way. And I want to take a change in more of a global way. And I want to make sure that as I'm doing that, I honor my brother and I'm, you know, I'm supporting him to make sure that, and I understand him because I never want to get too big or too cool for my little brother. And I was like that since we were kids. So to keep Brandon in line is to be able to be there with Brandon, be there for Brandon and listen to him and, and let let him be heard, you know? Now he knows it. Yeah, he knows it, yeah. And, and, and I'm very patient with Brandon. A lot of my family members, Brandon won't hold back. I'm very good at getting Brandon to talk to me. I'm, getting, I'm really good at Brandon not exploding on me because I understand Brandon. 
You know, understand the trauma that we went through. So, and, and for the people to listen, it's not like this guy just explodes on people. It's like, no, you know, sometimes Brandon's very strong, big guy, 6'4", 250, that went through a bunch of trauma that if you disrespect him or whatever, he's not going to hold his mouth or he's not going to, if he's not going to hold back, right? Mm-hmm. He's a strong, he's a strong young man. So, um, keeping Brandon aligned with his dream and getting Brandon, and one thing, side effect that came with the life of Brandon and ours is that we're never satisfied. So... For an example, Brandon can have Brandon owns a home. Brandon has a great job. I own a home. I have a great job. But learning on how to relax was a side effect of the side of this life. When is it okay to not work? When is it okay to not worry? When is it okay not to say no to people or to give people money and try to help family members, you know? And I think that's what we're both trying to figure out in our lives as I think that's a side effect a lot with the childhood trauma that we went through. And being the parents to our parents still today. So, yeah, that's how I keep Brandon in line, man. Brandon's a good kid. I know that. Brandon. What was the difference between me and Brandon? That's a good question. The difference, the difference between you and Brandon was that Brandon was much younger. Mm-hmm. And he didn't understand. You know, he, he, he came in in third grade. Then they, they, they moved him up. And he was still a little immature. Mm-hmm. A little immature. And that was his way of coping with the situation. Mm-hmm. See? Brandon was trying to cope with the situation his own way, you know, and and he would come and tell me sometimes things, you know, like mom doesn't want to do the wash and stuff like that, and Miss Miss Collins would say, "Well, I'll do it for you." Mm-hmm. No, 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 don't do it for him. Let him see it, let him experience it, so he can see what he can't do, mm-hmm. what's being done at home. Miss Collins was a huge help for us. She was. Ms. Collins was the first one that I think I related to her because her son was biracial like me. Yeah. And when she came to talk to me, uh, she she knew it. And, and you know, I, I love Miss Collins' swag. She got a nice, strong, strong swag to her, you know. And she came to me and said, you can talk to me. And um, I remember I would tell her a little bit of the things. And she, to this, you know, what, since 2005, almost 20 years, you know, she's been supporting me and by my side and you know I know if I I need anything today I can call her and she'll be there. Miss you know? Collins, Miss Hurley, Mr. O'Donnell, they love you. Yes. And more, more Mr. Brown, Mr. yes. Mr. Brown, that's another man. Yes. That's another man that, that that was there for you. They love you. So knowing that Brandon was coping, um what did you what were your techniques differently from someone like me and then Brandon? So what would you how was I? I don't remember that much. I remember the the good things. What was wrong with me? What was my side? I knew I was a class clown. I know that was one of them. But what are, what are my weaknesses when I was younger? Well you, well, you said you were a class clown. You you try to make humor for the situation mm-hmm. at, at class, fool around once in a while, letting it out that way. Mm-hmm. There was nothing wrong with you. You you keep saying there's something. What was wrong with you? There no, was, I just want to. I don't want to come off like trying to be perfect. You know, like. I wanted to know. I, Nobody, I just like the no, honor. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. I'm not perfect. I have a lot of problems, you know? Mm-hmm. You know? Everybody has problems. It's how you handle it. Things will come up. Life's not easy. Mm-hmm. Brandon experienced things that maybe somebody would experience when they're 20. Mm-hmm. Homeless. Mm-hmm. You know, all, that, all that affected him. Mm-hmm. It would affect me. It would affect everybody. Mm-hmm. That you guys, you guys are survivors. That's the word. 
you guys are you two guys are survivors, and you did it the right way. Brandon got an education, so did you. Mm -hmm. I went to St. Peter's. St. Peter's. Yeah. Went to St. Peter's. Yep. Brandon That's went good. to St. Peter's. That's a good school. Brandon mm -hmm. went to St. Peter's. Brandon could be, I shouldn't say, Brandon could do more than what he is also. Brandon could be something else. Brandon mm -hmm. could be a therapist too. Brandon mm -hmm. could be a counselor. Mm -hmm. But that's not what he likes. He ha you have to do what you like. Sometimes people do better at other things in life, you know? He wants to be a policeman. He wants to protect. He wants to protect because nobody protected him. Mm. I never look at it like you. that. You. You protected. Nobody was there for him, mm. except you. So he wants to now show you, hey, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to put the bad guy away. Who's the bad guy? Brandon. I used to ask him, who's the bad guy? <laughs> hmm? Who's the bad guy? You know who the bad guy is in your life? What do you do with the bad guy? How do you handle the bad guy? Because we have the bad guy in us sometimes. We all could be bad and we all could be good. Why are you good and why is he bad? What had he, what had, he had to cope with in life to make him a bad person? Go back to the jail, the people in the jail. What made them go to jail? Why do they keep coming back to the jail? Oh, if I, if I can make money on the corner, they're selling drugs and making $1,000. Why do I want to wake up? early in the morning and go get a job. Society sometimes gives you gives you things that, that you know, hey man, you know, look at Joey over there. He's making a thousand dollars a week. How come you didn't do that? See, you didn't do it. You saw it. Mm -hmm. You experienced it. Mm -hmm. You didn't but let's do it. Mm -hmm. Just on that phase, you know? Oh, let's do it. One thing about me too, like I, I wasn't built for the street life for some reason. When I had to you know, Sal and Don and other kids that were on the street were, became my best friends and my goal was to get them off the street. And we did. But um, anytime I was around something that was known to be illegal or not good, it just, I, I felt this guilt in me. Didn't feel right. No, it didn't. Good. It didn't. And when, there was a time in my life where I say about like when we got like 13, 14 and we had to stay with dad in front of the Holland Tunnel and in the hotel with dad his hip was getting to the point where he couldn't really walk as much. And he'll have me go out and take the pills to the car and collect the cash. And it was a huge guilt that I used to get when I used to have to do that, you know? And it was a huge, I don't know, it was the worst feeling that you can feel. And so there was something in me when I was younger that I'm like, I, that's something I just can't do, you know? And, uh, I using my imagination. I continue using my imagination after we did it with the basketball thing. And I was playing for Hurley and things got worse with becoming homeless and living in a hotel. I used to vision, oh, if I keep overcoming these little bad situations, they're going to make a book about this one day. And I can, tell the, I can tell the world, you know. And as I'm sitting with you before I got here, I received an email that the contract for my book is coming on Monday, which is my 30th birthday. Wow. And I signed my, my book deal on my 30th birthday. And I'm here hanging out with you two days before that, talking about the story. The story that you're gonna, you're gonna tell. Yeah. And how many people you're going to help with that story. That's what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. That's what you're gonna do. Help people to get out of the, the rut 
to get out from the it, mm-hmm. to get out from their problems, mm-hmm. and, and give them a horizon. And this story of you helping me would inspire people to go look for help. I hope so. That's yeah. one of the things I really wanted this this podcast and this video to do is if you need help, if you're young, old, whatever you are, and you need help, you know, I came for help and I got it. And, you know, maybe someone, you said that a lot of people don't tell the truth to people because they don't trust. So finding someone who you can trust exactly. would be a good first step for a like person you. like that. Like you. They can trust you. Mm-hmm. You've been through it. You survived. You're knowledgeable. You're educated. You have life experience that other people are going through now. Mm-hmm. And you could help them. You are helping them. Mm-hmm. And this book is going to be something sensational. Because you're going to give your heart to it. You're going to give your love to it. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to give my heart and love to it. When you got into the career... Um, and we got you to go to elementary school instead of, because I remember you told me when I was a kid that you went to, you worked with prisoners, right? Or people in jail? Well, I, I, yes, I, I, I worked at, uh, Morristown Correctional Facility. And there, uh, I, I worked with, with people that are murderers, people that, that kill people, you know, and they, the guards would bring them to me and I would put them in a, in a paper suit. A paper suit means that they can't basically kill themselves. You know, they can't hang themselves. Mm-hmm. I worked at Morristown. I also worked at the youth house in C Caucus. You know. And how long were you in there for? Mm-hmm. Like those two different. Uh, Not places? that long. Not that long. About six months, because basically it was far from here, mm-hmm. from where I lived. I lived with my wife in Bogota, New Jersey, and I had to go every every day to uh, to Morristown. And when it snows, this, that, and, and that. Mm-hmm. But it was it was very interesting because you get see, my whole life was based on on seeing mental illness or substance abuse from the beginning to middle age to the adult, which the prison is is probably the middle age of adults and, and work with it, and and some people aren't mentally ill, you know. Mm-hmm. They're not mentally ill. They're just going through, through phases, mm-hmm. you know, and and, and 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 the stages of life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the stages of life bring you to the left and brings you to the right, and you have to find the middle, the middle ground. Mm-hmm. And that all depends on the person, right? With that particular. So, for an example, like say we was in school, you dealt with me differently than Sal and Don, for an example. Of course. Why? Of and, and not like the prisoners. Mm-hmm. The prisoners, I, <laughs> I dealt with them different. Very different. I know. I remember you used to sit us down. I remember one day we got in trouble. It was me, Sal, Don. And for those that are listening, Sal and Don, when I was kids, they were the, they were the troublemakers when I was kids. Exactly. And um, our morning sessions and me being a great friend, I think... We changed their life a lot as well. They're doing very well in South Jersey. They have beautiful families, beautiful businesses. But when we were young, they were known to be, out of my friend group, the ones that were troublemakers. I remember one day you sat us down in your office and you told us like how you deal, like how you've dealt with people in prison and how you've seemed crazier. And you told us like, and you were telling certain kids that if they continue to go on the path that they're going on, that they're going to end up being there. 
And uh, I, it was like always a wake up call for us. And we was like in seventh, eighth grade. And I was like, oh, that's, that's, I don't want that life. Well, I work with rapists. I work with, I work, I remember, I remember, uh, I'll give you an example if you like. Yeah, of course. I was sitting on my desk once and a guard brought a man that just killed his wife and there was blood dripping on him and his shirt and all that. You know, he was very jealous. He felt that she was cheating on him. Another example was another man that hired people to beat up the guy that he thought was having an affair with his his wife. Mm -hmm. And, uh. What happened there was that they all went to prison. Mm -hmm. They all went to prison. The guy that set it up and the guys who did it, who mm -hmm. beat up the, the lady. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My wife used to type a lot of letters to the judges for Sal. Sal and Don. And Don. Mm -hmm. When they used to get arrested, my wife used to, I'd write them, and my wife would type out the letters, and then we mail them to the judges. Mm -hmm. I remember and I, that. And I, and I would say, uh, please let me have the opportunity to work with these young men. Mm -hmm. I remember Sal and Don telling me you used to write letters to the judge. Yeah. What made you go from prisoner, I mean, working with prisoners like rapists and murderers to children in Jersey City Heights? Well, from there, from there, I went to the Urban League, and I was the direct director of mental health in the Urban League. And, but but that's see, that, that different type of work. When you become a director, you don't do hands-on work. Mm -hmm. You don't you don't see the the clients. You know, you you do uh, you know paperwork and all that stuff. I was a director, so I, I supervised the counselors, the counselors in the Urban League. Got it. That's, that's what I did. Then I went to the Urban League. Then I also worked in the, in the school system in Englewood, Dwight Morrow High School. I know that high school. Very famous high school. Yeah. Johnny Travolta went there. I didn't know that. Yo, I didn't know he went there. Oh, yeah, Johnny Travolta went there. And as a matter of fact, my wife could tell you, I was sitting home one day. I, I coached soccer there. And, and the head soccer coach called me and said, hey, you know who's here? I said, he said, John Travolta. He came to visit. You know, he wanted to see if I wanted to go there. All the coaches were supposed mm -hmm. to go there. I never went. I never went. So you never met him? No, no, I know. I know he I, never met you? No, I know other actors. Though. I mean, a lot of actors. Yeah. Mickey Rourke. Yeah. Got you. I got, I'm going to show you a picture of Mickey Rourke when we finish here. Okay. And Tony Curtis. Yeah, show, show me those pictures. Maybe you can send them back and put it up on the YouTube. I, I'll, I'll show them to you. My wife has it right over there <laughs> on my phone. Got it. Right, Joanne? So when you went from <laughs> when you went from there, that's when you went to PS28. From? Englewood. No, 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 no. When I went from Englewood, then I became the director of the Puerto Rican Institute in Jersey City. It's still there. Oh, wow. A mental health clinic. Got it. And what are the, in your opinion... What are the most obvious cases that, or consistent cases you saw with mental health? Well, in different outings, you see different things. Got it. You know, right. it, like when I also worked at St. James Hospital, mm -hmm. and I'm bringing it up, and, and uh, St. James Hospital was a lock unit. Are you familiar with lock units? Um, you, you, you want to get like one hour, right? Of no, recess. The, the pe no the, the, the people are locked in. The patients are locked. They can't leave the hospital. Okay, got they it. They can't leave the floor. Isn't that called the psych ward? Okay. Well, that's why I call it a lock unit. Okay, got you. So another word for his lock unit. Okay, yeah. didn't know that. So you worked there? Of course. Got you. I worked there, and I also worked at St. Michael's. St. Michael's in Newark. And during the jail, jail times, I saw people in organized crime when mm. they got arrested. From the Lucchese crime family. Mm. There's five families in organized crime. The Lucchese crime family got arrested in, in Morristown at that time. Wow. 
So you've been around a lot. I didn't know you was at all these different uh, facilities. Yeah, there's also another one, St. Mary's Hospital in Pennington Avenue in Passaic. I worked there also. For how long? About a year. Got it. Mm -hmm. I also moved around because of the salaries. You know, the salaries were low, and I was always trying to find... The next one, yeah. Yeah. So you go from these type of environments to a school. And I learned. Okay. And I go from the school... And, and, and remember, the children have parents. So I worked with the parents before of other children. Now I'm working with children. And you work with their parents already. So you're starting to see a... a so when you came to PS28, right? What year did you actually go to PS28? Do you remember? 1996. Wow. But I, I wasn't only at 28. The first year I was at number one mm -hmm. and 28. Mm -hmm. I only had three days at 28 and two days at, at one. Got it. And then the next year, it was full-time. Got it. Full -time. So when you made that full transition to PS28, what would you say is the most important thing when it comes down to working with kids with therapy and counseling? Trust. The trust. First, you, ha you, you have to engage the child. Mm -hmm. Engage him to trust you. Therefore, when he trusts you, the child will, will, will share with you issues that are happening either at school, at home, or in their dreams. Mm. Because we all have three things, whether we like it or not in our personality. They're at the board. Yeah, let's go over that. So it, that's it? Okay. What was that Instant mean? gratification. Okay. Three parts of the personality. It is I want what I want when I want it. Mm. A substance abuse person has an overactive id. He's addicted. So he wants what he wants what he wants. The superego, values instilled by the family. Can you give me an example on that? Well, your parents. What, what did your parents teach you? What not to do? What not to listen to the id? Mm. I want to get high. Man. Let's go smoke a joint. No, man, I can't do that. Parents used to tell me that. So or that my, or my counselor used to tell me that. Right. Or my friend used to tell me that. Or my girlfriend used to tell me that. And the ego. You know what the ego is like. Wow. Wow, I'm the best. I'm the best looking. Look at me, man. <laughs> I scored 30 points last night. And then you have to balance these three parts of the personality by the great... Sigmatoria, the father of psychoanalysis. Mm -hmm. In high school, uh, in high school, I was one of the top players in the county for sure. Mm -hmm. In high school, yeah, we scored over a thousand points. You know, not a lot of so for the listeners at that time. That's not easy to do. Score a thousand points in no, your high school I, career. No, I was in the varsity since my freshman year, but I, I started my sophomore year. Uh, and, and we beat uh, one of the best teams in, in the history of Hudson County that year, Memorial High School, yep. which had a guy who, who became uh, a congressman. Uh, and now he's the mayor of West New York, Albio Series, one oh. of the greatest basketball players that ever come out of Hudson County. We beat them. We're the only team that ever beat them that year. And I was the top scorer of the varsity my sophomore, junior, and senior year. Yeah, and you scored a total of 1,000 points? Oh, over 1,000. Over 1,000. So for the people listening, 
you have to understand that's not easy to do. That's a huge milestone for that's a great I, goal for a basketball player to have. But we have people in Hudson County that scored two thousand. Yeah, now you do, yeah. right? But yeah. I'm saying like even if they'd score two thousand, getting to a thousand, how many players what's the chances of getting that as a basketball player? If a kid wants to go play basketball, what are their chances it, well, to score a thousand points in a career? I think you would have to play you have to be good, very good. At least two years. Very like you have to average about 23, 25 points just for two years. Exactly. Yeah, and it's not easy. <laughs> no, it's not easy. That's why I said it's really hard to achieve a well, thousand points. Well, I, I had I had good mentors. I could tell you people that, that that I went I went to Dave Bing's old program. I don't know if you know who Dave Bing was. No, he was no. one of the greatest basketball players in the history of the NBA. He's in the top uh, play for the Detroit Pistons. Okay. I went to his camp, and there I played against Campanella Russell. Campy Russell, that played for the Knicks. Mm -hmm. He was in high school then, like I was. Uh, uh, what was the other? Uh, oh, I'm trying to think. He played for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Fatty Taylor, Roland Taylor, Roland Taylor, John Briska. All those guys we used to play at night. Uh, the counselors. Mm -hmm. I was able to. I was good enough to play with the counselors, and I used to play with them. And, and they were they were pros. Campy Campy went to Michigan. Was an All American, and he went on to play with the Cavaliers. Nice. Campanella Russell, and then he went on to play with the Knicks. Roland Taylor played with the Denver Nuggets, and John Brisker played with the Seattle Supersonics. And I played with them, and against Dave, Dave Bing. Dave Bing was the greatest, one of the greatest players from Detroit Pistons. And what got you into basketball? Well, one day I was in grammar school, Robert Waters grammar school, playing half court, and I saw two guys playing there. They were huge, big guys in Union City. And one was Tommy Heinsohn. Tommy Heinsohn from later went on to play for the Boston Celtics. And the other one was Henry Finkel that also played for the Boston Celtics. And a friend wow. of mine, I didn't know, and a friend of mine pointed him out and said, you know who those guys are? I said, no. That's Tommy Heinsohn and Henry Finkel. Do you know who they play with? No, Bill Russell. And I fell in love with the game, too. And I fell in love with the game. And then from high school, I went to one year in junior college, and, and I was one of the top scorers in the nation that year. And then I got into, then I never played again. I got into drugs, so on and so forth, and I became a bum. You didn't become a bum. I was a bum. And I met very, very tough people. On the streets? Yeah. In New York. And how long did that last for? Oh, about 10, 15 years. 10, wow. tw from, from 1973 to 1984 when I got clean. 83, I got clean. Wow, I would have thought this was like a six-month to 12-month thing. No. Never did heroin. Never did heroin. I did cocaine. Cocaine, marijuana, cocaine. Addicted, addicted. Yeah, but that was kind of the norm back in the day, right? Yeah, but you see, that's another thing. Some people, some people love that it. So addicted to it, you know, loved it, you know, always, you know, try, trying to get high. I guess, I guess it, it was because I couldn't, I couldn't do what I loved the most. Mm. I, it stopped me from doing what I loved the most, which is basketball. So this happened after basketball? When your was done. I, well, I, I could have kept going to college. I only went one year to college at that time playing basketball. Okay. I played my, my one freshman year in college. And then... What made the transition? Was it at a party one day where you came across these things in college? I started. I started. I started smoking pot in college. Yeah. Okay. And then Got from it. pot, I went to other things. 
got it. And then I, I didn't go back to school till 1986. So when you became a counselor, you went all over the place using the therapy, I mean, you know, using the therapeutic school, uh, skills, right, in counseling. From, 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 uh, from school. Yeah. So then when you went to, when you came to elementary school, because mm -hmm. there's people listening right now that most likely got kids. I work with clients that usually are working with kids, usually the father's not around, or they're working with kids with behavior issues. Mm -hmm. How important is it for the child to have a mentor? Very important. Very important. The mentor has to be positive. The mentor has to, has to gain the trust, make the assessment. The assessment and the trust come together, and then you, you do the work. Mm. You start working with the, with the child. Mm -hmm. So what does your day look like today? What does your day look like when you're back in Florida? Are you still giving counseling? Are you helping people? No, no, I'm retired. I live with my wife. Uh, we ride bike. We go to the beach. We, we, we don't do anything that has to do with counseling. She counsels me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're going through, when you're... Do you does it, what, what comes up for you? Is this the life you vision for retirement? Well, not really. I, I yeah. Well, I, I wanted to go to Florida, you know. But but uh, you see, when you are at this stage of life, Eric Erickson, eight stages of life. <clears throat> when you're at this stage of life, you look back into into the future. I'm sorry, into the past. You don't know the future, and you say to yourself, maybe I could have done that better. I say to. Maybe I could have done this better. Maybe I could have done this a little bit better. Maybe I could have helped more people. Maybe I didn't understand that person. I hope it never happens to you when you're my age. You know? But you, you regret some of the things that you could have done for people you know? in the field, in this field. So you don't, you don't look back on regretting... The basketball. Yeah, no. or... So it's more for people than anything else. Well, that's what the profession is. The profession, the profession, as you know, you know this, is to help yeah. them, to help them achieve, to help them get out of whatever their problems are. That's the profession. Yeah. If you're really into, in it, you know. And what, when you were in your profession, I find it, helping people is great, but then it's important to also help yourself. Exactly. No, you have to. In order for you to help others, you have to help yourself. You have to keep yourself clean. You, you can't, you know, you have to, you have to keep your, yourself in good shape like you are. You have to eat the right foods. You have to get the right sleep. You have to do the right exercises. Mm -hmm. And today you still do that, right? Because last time we talked, you get up at like four, what, four in the of morning? Of course, I get up at four in the morning. Today I'll get up at four in the morning and, and exercise. My, wi my wife is my witness. I have bands upstairs and you can see if you want. I have one of these things, and I lift weights, light weights, and, uh, and we bike, we bike, and we walk every day. Every day we exercise. Every day. We go to the beach and then walk. And do you, so when you're walking, is this when these, the, the stage of thoughts are coming, like what you could have done better, or do you, these thoughts come in more when you're like sitting down, not doing nothing? Well, I also, I forgot to tell you, I also read a lot. I read a lot of books, and that takes away from ever thinking about Okay. So you find other things, but it does come up. It does come up. It comes up, oh, maybe I should have you know, done this this way. I lost a person once. He hung himself. When I worked at St. Mary's Hospital, he hung himself. And that comes up once in a while. And I, and I, and I remember some of the things that the people in jail told me, like how they raped their own children. 
a, a, a rabbi did that. You can say these things as long as you don't mention their names. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He raped his own children. And he would talk to me about it, how he raped it, how he enjoyed it. How he enjoyed raping his own children. So when you think back on that today, you think you could have done something different to stop that? Not to stop that, because he was already in jail, but yeah. for him not to do it again when he got out. Okay, gotcha. If he got out. Got it. And the guy that killed the person, that he wouldn't do it again when mm -hmm. if he was ever out. See, there you, what you're doing is, did you learn your lesson? But you don't say that to them, but that's the, did you learn your lesson while you're in here? And when you get out, are you going to do things differently? You see? Mm -hmm. that, in that type of environment. You see, each place that I worked was a different type of environment. Different learning about the human being. Overt and covert. Psychology is the study of human beings. Overt and covert. The brain. Overt and covert. Behavior, outside behavior. Eric Erickson. Inside behavior. Right? The brain. You behave what your brain tells you. Your brain tells you what to do in certain situations. Isn't that considered the subconscious mind? No. The conscious and the subconscious yeah, mind. The conscious yeah, the conscious Yeah, yeah, yeah. The paradigms, habits. Yeah. yeah. All that. So. You mentioned Carl Jung before. Yeah. Love Carl Jung. I call him Jung. Maybe I've been saying it wrong this whole time. No, no, Carl Young. Young. Man, you, yeah, you yeah. can say whatever. He's not. He's not alive anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he can't hurt you. <laughs> Carl Young can't. Carl Young, Eric Erickson. Uh, who else? When I went to Columbia University, there was, see, when you go to the university, there's certain certain um, psychologists they teach. You. Yeah. Now they're teaching others. You know. Yeah, yeah. That's the way it is. So you learn different theories of human behavior. And, and psychology is the study of human behavior over and covert. Mm -hmm. I forgot to put the psychology is the study of human behavior over and covert. Have you come across uh, Joseph Campbell's work? When I, when, when I was younger. Got it. He has a book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces and Hero's Journey. And I think he's more of a mythologist, yeah. someone who teaches mythology. But uses Carl Jung and a lot of psychologists' work to make it more digestible for civilians and when we, when we went to school, they used to tell us to use three different theories to analyze and assess the human beings that you're facing. Use different theories in your head. That, you know, when the person talks to you and all that, they, when you go and write your notes, use different theories, you know. To, like, to, like a little formula. Yeah. Gotcha. A formula that you use to, to analyze the person to see how, how can I get them to achieve. That's it. How can I get this guy to achieve by the theories that I learned. Mm. Psychological. Gotcha. Is it dying? All right. We killed the battery. All right. You happy? I'm, I'm very happy. I'm, I'm Wait, happy this is a really you. good one. I'm happy to see you. This is I'm best. happy to see you too, man. Yeah, this is the best one. Yeah. This, this, is, one, this is the best one. 